It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, we celebrate a Braves victory as they wrapped up the division last night. I'm excited about the future with Arthur Smith, and we'll take a look at the Braves roster and kind of analyze what these guys have done this year. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. It is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find us, hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our ever growing community. Leave us a comment there. Don't forget, we are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free today. Leave us a five star review. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, you can find us on those platforms as well. Check us out there today. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Braves won, Braves won, Braves won, Braves won. You know, the best part, first off, was the fact that we didn't have to wait around to see what the Mets were going to do in their doubleheader, right? And, by the way, the Mets did win their doubleheader, and they're a 100-win team now, right? But the Braves' victory last night guaranteed the division, and now we wait for next Tuesday for the Braves to get in their playoff series. They'll wait a winner of the St. Louis and Philadelphia series, which will happen this weekend. And then the Braves will start their series coming up on Tuesday. You know, some of the numbers that have come out from this Braves team, and and this is my favorite number out of all of them. The Mets spent 175 days in first place. The Braves have spent eight days in first place and are the division champs out of all of it. Staggering number. Now, one of the things that really turned the season around, and it's funny to go back and look at some of these moments and things like that. And a little bit later on the show, we'll kind of look back at the roster and some of the highs and lows and different things like that. But you go back to June 1st when they were in Arizona taking on the Diamondbacks and had some struggles. And, you know, we talked yesterday about the fact that the Braves in April and May were a negative run differential team. So they were... um, I think it was minus 16, I think we said, for the first couple of months of the season. But that June 1st meeting in Arizona where Snitker called a team meeting, and you go look at their record from that point on, and they played not good, not great. They played stellar baseball. Hard to imagine a team playing any better ever than what the Braves did after June 1st. And it changed all the momentum around and it brought this team to where we're at right now with a division title and getting ready for the playoffs on Tuesday. So look, Phillies, St. Louis, I certainly think it would make more sense to play Philadelphia. You certainly have a better understanding of them. You certainly match up better. I'll be honest with you. I really don't want the Cardinals. I don't want the swan song of Molina and Pujols and Wainwright and those guys, and they've got some good starting pitching at the top of their rotation, right? And by the way, Let's not forget they have maybe the number one and number three MVP candidates in their lineup. Goldschmidt probably still going to be the MVP. Arenado is going to finish probably top three in the league in the MVP. I'd rather avoid all that. 
let me have my shot at the Philadelphia Phillies because I know what I can do with them. I know we can beat them, and I know I don't have to worry about some of the things I have to worry about with St. Louis. So it's a remarkable achievement to have been 10 and a half games back and to come back and win this thing. I think it's only the second time that a team has been 10 and a half games back at one point and won the division. So give the Braves a lot of credit, but things really turned around on that June 1st date where once that happened, and by the way, the Braves never saw first place until September 6th when they tied the Mets, and that was the first time all year that the Braves had seen first place. So they didn't sniff first place until September 6th. They only spent eight total days in first place. But as we talked about yesterday on the show, that clutch gene, when they had to go out there and win the series, you know, after that June 1st meeting, that's when they rattled off 14 in a row. When they needed to sweep the Mets this past, you know, this last weekend, swept the Mets right out of town. When they needed to beat DeGrom and Scherzer and guys like that, they beat them. When they needed a big series win here, they found it. Need a big series win there, they found it. So certainly, look, can you make an argument that this team is better this year than they were last year? Absolutely. And a couple of months back, I was in an event for Top Golf, and it featured a lot of former Braves players. And I got a chance to talk to Andre Jones, Marquise Grissom, Greg McMichael, Brad Klontz. Got a chance to talk to several former Braves. And we all kind of talked about the same thing, that there's nothing about this team this year that tells you that they're any less than last year. That I think overall, this team, when you look at rotation, bullpen, your lineup, the depth of your lineup, and certainly the invigoration that the guys in the youth, the Striders, the Harris, the Vaughn Grissoms, all the invigoration of that youth. And we've been talking about this for months on the show, that that complacency factor was never there for the Braves. And I think a lot of that had to do with the infusion of those young guys where you got young, hungry guys, two years ago, Striders pitching at Clemson University. Michael Harris is in double A. Right, I mean, those guys coming up and taking that B12 shot in the arm and giving that energy infusion. And then you mix in, I know Ozzy missed half the year, but the enthusiasm from him and obviously having Ronnie back. And so all of this comes together. It doesn't all just kind of happen in one fell swoop. And it's not necessarily the way the Dodgers do it, where they just from start to finish, bludgeoned everybody all the way through, right? That's pretty much what the Dodgers did this year, is they just started day one, and we got the late start to the season, started day one, and just bludgeoned everybody the entire way, right? Just took a billy club to everybody's legs and head and just beat everybody along the way. The Braves had to fight, scratch, and claw. And give the Mets credit from the standpoint of, and this is the only thing I'm going to give them credit for, because I loathe the Mets, Okay, if you listen to me long enough, you know, or listen to my radio show, you know that I loathe the New York Mets. I hate everything about them. I don't like their uniforms. I don't like their manager. I don't like their team. I don't like where they play. I don't like anything about the Mets. The only thing I like about the Mets is when they lose or they're off the radar. But give them credit. They have put together a 100-win season, and they fought, scratched, and clawed their way all the way till the end until it was time to win a game, which is all they had to do, win a game with their aces on the mound and wrap things up and they couldn't do it. They took a wee wee down their pants and put a nice little yellow streak down the pants. Cool. Good for the Braves out of all of it, but so many things to like about this team, so many things to be impressed about this team. And certainly going into the playoffs, 
Look, I know the Dodgers have the enormous record and things like that, but having beat the Dodgers last year, I, I talked to Bob Nightingale last night on my radio show. He thinks that the Braves are the team to beat in the National League. I'm with him. I think the Braves are better this year. I think they have a better overall squad. And there's nothing that says that the Braves can't go in a seven-game series and beat the Dodgers. They got that monkey off their back. Much like Georgia and Alabama, they got that monkey off their back. Now you have to give the defending World Series champions the benefit of the doubt in all of this. So it was a fantastic win last night. And look, give Jake Odorizzi, by the way, credit, right? I mean, for all the beating up that we've given Jake Odorizzi, and it's very possible that he pitched his last game in a Braves uniform because they'll probably buy him out next year, even though he's got a player option that I'll probably pick up for, I think it's six and a half million. They can buy him out for around four million or what have you. They'll probably buy him out and move on. So if that was the last time we ever see Jake Odorizzi in a Braves uniform, five runs, two hits, the one solo homer, and seven strikeouts, he certainly saved his best for last. And that seems to be the theme of the Braves. When they needed a big moment and they needed that step-up moment, they were always able to find it. Now, I want to talk about my friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline is the place for all of your sports wagering information. Listen, you got baseball playoffs that are about to get cranked up and started, right? Very exciting time of the year. NFL season is, I guess, officially not quite a quarter of the way through, but let's call it a quarter. We're close, right? College football season, believe it or not, is going to be halfway finished after this weekend. Boxing, MMA, golf, all the different things you could want. Everything is available at betonline.net. So take that handy mobile device that you've got, right, that you can't live without. Head to betonline.net today. Check out all the information, scores, stats, podcasts, news, anything that you need, esports, betting. Everything is available right there at your fingertips at betonline.net. Get in on the action today. Head there on your mobile device. Betonline.net is where the game starts. You know, in the movie The Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne had this saying that he used and make a bumper sticker that said, I believe in Harvey Dent, right? Remember all that? Well, I'm going to get my own bumper sticker made that says, I believe in Arthur Smith. And I've talked before about, you know, it's crazy to think that a franchise that, you know, even though the Falcons are not one of the original franchises in the league, they're not Green Bay and Chicago and these teams, right? But the fact is that nobody has ever won more than 66 games as a head coach for the Falcons, and that's Mike Smith. And I've said before, I still think Mike Smith is the best coach that the Falcons have ever had, mostly because of how he pulled this franchise out of the doldrums. The 07 season is still arguably in my 30 years here, the worst professional season I've ever seen from a team. That 07 season with Mike getting arrested, going to federal prison, Bobby Petrino, Arthur Blank, all the craziness that surrounded it, that season was awful. And they go out and they change general managers. They 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 didn't demote, they promoted Rich McKay, but bring in Thomas Dimitrov and bring in Mike Smith. And the culture and the winning changed. And the team became in its golden era, the best run of Falcons football we'd ever seen, right? And obviously, Matt Ryan and Julio and all those guys had so much to do with it. But the trigger man was Mike Smith and all of that. I think we're about to see that take off again with Arthur Smith. You know, and I was looking, when you start to get your roster right in the NFL, where you've at least got a competitive roster, right? Where you're not the dregs of the universe, right? Where you're the least talented roster and things like that. If you get your roster at any sort of mediocre level, right? You're going to mostly play in close games in the league. The NFL is not like Georgia lining up against 
whatever, you know, Arkansas technical A&T, right? It's going to be close games. It's going to be eight points or less one score games in the league, right? That's how the league is. The league is designed to not have so massive disparities of talent between two teams. So you have to figure out in the league that when the games are close and tight, how do you win those games, right? And that's the difference between, you know, look, winning at home, difference between, you know, winning and losing in tight games makes all the difference in the world for your franchise. The final two years under Dan Quinn, and full disclosure, okay, I was never a Dan Quinn guy. I never thought Dan was a very good coach. I thought all the same mistakes that Dan made in 2015, you know, showed up later on. You know, I don't think that it ever grew and we ever, and I talked about this for so many years. I never felt like we had an advantage on the sidelines. We might have had an advantage at quarterback or wide receiver or linebacker or this or that, and that's immensely important. But there are times in the NFL when you need to have an advantage on the sidelines. And I never felt that way with Dan. I always felt like no matter who it lined up against, we were always at a disadvantage. And when you go back and look at some of the third quarter stats, as far as how many points their defense gave up, lack of being able to score in the third quarter, this end and the other, it kind of bow itself out, right? Now, if you look at Dan's last two years with the Falcons, in one score games, eight points or less, the Falcons were 5-12 and 12 in those games. And that's with Matt, Julio, Ridley, this, that, the other, your brother, your mother, cousin, you know, all of that. 5-12. and 12. Arthur Smith in his first year and quarter of the way through the season is 9-4 and four in those one-score games. So Dan in his last two years was a 294 winning percentage. Arthur's a 692 winning percentage. And if you want to tell me that how are we going to change, how's the culture going to change, what's going to be different, this, that, and the other, more than just the roster, I believe now that we have an advantage on the sidelines. And if nothing else, a lot of it has to do with, one is hiring the right guys to go along with it, right? Bringing in a Dean Pease to run your defense. For however long Dean is here, if he's here three more days, three more years, three more weeks, but bringing on the right guys, number one. Number two, being committed to what your philosophy is, right? If you're going to be a power run team, be a power run team. If that's what your identity is, as my old friend Bo Bach would say, what's your playing personality? Well, I know what the playing personality is of this team. They want to be tough, physical, power run it. They want to be a strong, dominant running team. Now, ideally, they would love to have the quarterback, too, that can mix in and, and be able to you know hit some big pass plays because, well, to respect, you've spent a lot of draft capital on the idea of drafting pass catchers. You want to be able to use those guys more. But not everything is fixed with this team. But you see the philosophy and the fact that they're getting the results in things that matter most, right? We talked yesterday about the fact that the Falcons are not just a top five team in rushing yards. They're also a top five team in rushing attempts. And what did I say? Bill Parcells thing, he always talked about after a game, the number one stat he looked at on the stat sheet is how many rushing attempts did we have? Didn't worry about the yards. Didn't worry about the yards per carry, touchdowns, passing yards, whatever. First stat he always wanted to see, he said, was show me how many rushing attempts that we had in the game. And that would tell him a pretty good idea about how the game flowed. So 
Arthur being committed to his philosophy is paying its dividends already. Doesn't mean that the Falcons are going to go 14 and three this year. Doesn't mean that the Falcons are going to win the division. But when we talk about those culture changes, and as you're trying to build the roster and bring in the playing personality of what you want this franchise to be, you're seeing that come together with Arthur. And frankly, it's coming together in a pretty fair, fast amount of time. Now, I know everybody talks about the idea of, you know, having lots of money next year, and that's great, okay? But, you know, while you may not measure this year on wins and losses, let me assure you, top flight free agents in the NFL are not going to a two-win franchise. You know, there are always teams that have money to spend that can always go out and sign top-tier guys, always create enough cap space. How many times have the Saints created cap space just in the last four months? So all of the money is great, but that doesn't bring you in anybody if your franchise is bad. And I think if you look at where Arthur Smith is taking this team, the direction that he and Dean Pease are getting this, you're starting to see some results in things that are going to be important. Now, the next thing that they have to do is they have to figure out how to win at home. You know, that's the next important. So we're getting the we're getting the one score close games figured out. Right? Things get crunched down and tightened up. We feel like we have a shot. And what do we say on here? If you can control the line of scrimmage and run the football effectively in the NFL, you can be in every game. You may not win every game. You know, at some point your quarterback or this or that has to happen. But if you can control the line of scrimmage and you can run the football effectively, you'll be around every week to have a chance to win. Now you just have to tweak and fine tune a few things. So the close score games are going drastically in our favor compared to what they were in the last two years of Dan. Now the next step would be get our home field figured out. Because before Sunday, the Falcons only won six games in Mercedes-Benz since 2019. Obviously, that's a dreadful mark, and that's certainly not where you want to be. So I expect that trend, because Arthur Smith has spoken about this specifically at his pressers, talking about we got to be good at home. We have to figure out a way to win at home. And winning in London doesn't, doesn't count. It's about winning here. So you're looking at these little steps with Arthur that you're seeing the things start to come together. Do they have all the personnel that they want? Of course not. Are they maximizing some of their personnel? Absolutely. They're at, they're maximizing guys like Caleb McGarry or Taquan Graham or some of these guys that they have that they're maximizing it. I don't think anybody would have thought that Caleb McGarry would be graded out as a top 20 tackle in the NFL this year, but guess what he is right now? He's 18th in the league as far as his PFF grade. That's a hell of an accomplishment for a guy that, let's face it, has been a massive disappointment as a first-round pick for this team and a long line of those kinds of guys, the Vic Beasleys and the Tack McKinleys and guys like that. So I'm going to go out on the streets. I'm going to head to my, I don't even know what, like the FedEx store or Kinko's. Do they even have Kinko's anymore? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get me a whole bunch of bumper stickers that say, I believe in Arthur Smith printed up. I don't know where I get them. I'll find a place online here, but I am, I'm like Bruce Wayne in the dark night where he said, I believe in Harvey Dent. Well, guess what? I believe in Arthur Smith and you should too, because the direction of this team is in really good shape right now. You know, I talked to my buddy, Gabe Burns yesterday, feature writer for the Atlanta journal constitution. I had him on my radio show and I saw yesterday online that there was a vote 
that some of the local nudniks, talking heads, media people, this, that, and the other, guys that covered the Braves, this, that, and the other, they had a vote for, I guess it was the Baseball Writers Association pick for who was the most important Brave. And it was more than just the on-field stuff. There's off-field things that are calculated in this as well. But they talked about the most important Brave. And the way the voting went is Austin Riley finished first, Dansby finished second, Michael Harris finished third. Now, I'm going to tell you personally, and and again, I know some of the off-field stuff and dealing with those guys, but I'm going to look at it from especially like a baseball perspective. Can I tell you that I think the most important Brave this year is Michael Harris? Now, hard to believe that a rookie coming up from double-A would get that kind of honor. But if you think about what Michael Harris did and meant for this team, where he solidified one of the most important positions in Major League Baseball, if you think about the diamond of baseball and where you need to be really good at, take shortstop number one, take center field number two, then probably catcher second base from there. You know, the old axiom, be good up the middle in baseball, right? Michael Harris not only provided that youthful spark, but he solidified a position where Adam Duvall was not having to play every day. And eventually, obviously, he got hurt and missed the whole season, right? You you didn't have to worry about defense out of Michael Harris. And then his bat, where he was hitting all over the lineup, he brought that big spark to the bottom of the order, then eventually moved his way up. All of the things that he did, and for a guy who didn't come up until the season was well underway, in 114 games, he was a homer short, and who knows, maybe he'll play today, but most likely, if he doesn't play today, was a homer short of a 2020 season. It's been a remarkable year. When you look at this roster, it's those kinds of contributions that you got. I think Michael Harris has been the most important brave this year. Now, I will tell you that I think the two most unsung guys, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, is their catcher position. When you look at what Contreras, who wasn't supposed to play this year, that was Manny Pena. Think about that. Think about the little things that changed during this year. You hate to see a guy like Duvall go down, but him going down opened up Michael Harris. Manny Pena getting hurt opened up William Contreras. And the two guys that you played at catcher combined as of today, and I don't I don't know who's going to catch today, one of them, but right now, 30, 38 homers, 105 driven in, and 109 scored. Think about 40, 100, 100 out of your catcher position. Nobody saw that coming. And Contreras, obviously, contributing behind the plate defensively, getting better. Darno is a top-tier catcher defensively in handling the pitching staff. Matt Olson's first year. Say what you will. The thing that bothers me about Olson is just he was a negative defensive war player. Now, granted, it's only a minus 0.1, but I think we expected Matt Olson to be a plus defensive war player, right? That didn't work out, and he set a career high in errors this year, but he's still 30 and 100. How we got there is the part that drives you nuts, right? Massive fast start in April, really tailed off when we got to September, October here, right? Was really hot at the beginning, not so much at the end. Power would come and go. But in the totality of it, you have a first baseman who gave you 33 homers and 101 RBI and still scored 89, 84 runs, excuse me, hitting only 239. That should speak to the depth of how good that this lineup is. And when you figure Marcelo Zuna was a non-factor in this lineup, 
Duvall has missed the vast majority of the year. Ozzie has missed half the year, right? And even when he was in the lineup, wasn't producing as much. And then again, Austin Riley, who I understand why people would vote him for the most important player. I get that. He was here from the beginning and really helped kind of carry this team, especially when you get in to during the month of July and before the All-Star break. He was outstanding, right? Set the record for the, the Braves franchise record, most extra base hits and things like that. So contributions all the way around. Uh, again, even Rosario providing a few moments. Even some of the guys off the bench. Robbie Grossman has been productive. Arcia has had moments this year. Heredi has had some moments this year, right? You've gotten little bleeps and bloops where an Arcia wins you a game here, a Grossman wins you a game here, a Heredia wins you a game there. And, and you total all of that up, and that's the difference in are we the wild card or the division winner? And it may not sound like much when you're in the moment of it, right? Oh, Arcia, you know, hits a walk-off home run and we win a game, whatever, against the Marlins in July. Well, look what that meant now. Look what look what a Heredia home run that walks you off means now, right? In a season where it was razor thin, and as we explained, the Braves have only been in first place for eight days. Think about how razor thin it is that a moment here and a moment there, a three-hit night from Grossman that helps you win a game, right? The totality of some of those guys may not be very impressive, but that moment here, moment there, where they won you a game. And Arcia had a couple of those moments where he won a game. Already a moment where he won a game for you. That speaks to the depth of how good this team is. And not to mention the fact that how good their scouting and development is. To have a kid like Strider come in, and, and I understand it's a different baseball world. Guys accept striking out nowadays, right? But for a kid to come in who's two years removed from Clemson University, and to give you 200 strikeouts, 202 strikeouts before he goes down in only 130 innings is a staggering number, 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings. For all of Charlie Morton's struggles, and the ERA doesn't look real good at 434, but 205 strikeouts in 172 innings. And then factor in Kyle Wright. And I asked Bob Nightingale last night, where does Kyle Wright fit into the Cy Young discussion? Because he's a 21 and five, 21 and five pitcher this year. First guy since 03, Russ Ortiz, the last guy to do it. There's a lot of eerie similarities to this team and the 2003 team, which I still, that's still both, I think to me personally, that's the best team that I saw the Braves have and the most frustrating team because that's the Cub series prior, Wood, right? Lose the short series, Leo. Anything can happen in short. Anyway, without relieving that nightmare, a lot of eerie similarities, you know, to that. But Kyle Wright, he said Kyle Wright should be a top three guy in the Cy Young. And I get that. Sandy Alcantara is going to win the Cy Young for the Marlins. Not much doubt about that. With his complete games and playing for a bad team and all the things that he's meant this year, I get that. I got no issue with that. He's been outstanding, and he's doing things that we haven't seen probably in 25 years in baseball. So I'm good with all that. But all of the different contributions that they've gotten, Dansby having a career year in his walk year, right? And and look, all he's done is make himself, you know, going to be one of the richest guys. And I asked this question, would the Braves be willing to go $20, $25 million a year? 
And the answer that I got was yes, because they know they probably have to. And you don't want to let a guy like that walk away. And even in a year where Ronnie didn't have his overall numbers that were, you know, what we expect, but still his impact, even in the 119 games they played, look at what the Braves record is. He still got on base, had some decent power, stole a crap ton of bases. You know, he's right now sitting at 29 steals with one game left. Don't know if he's going to play. My guess is you won't see him today. But so many outstanding performances. And one thing that it shows about this team this year is that they've had immense depth in their lineup. They've had key contributions from guys that you wouldn't expect. A Heredia, an Arcia, a Grossman to win you a game here, win a game there. And all of a sudden you look back and you go back in time and say, wow, that game, that game, that game, those three, four wins that those guys got us, that's the difference in us winning the division this year. All of these things that I think lead us to believe that the Braves are in much better shape to make a deep run in the playoffs than even they were set up going into the playoffs last year. But I will tell you that I think the most important player for the Braves this year has been Michael Harris. The spark that he provided and the things that he did for this lineup can't be replicated. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chucker your first listen every day. Make A to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen every day. Mark's back talking all things Atlanta sports. He is free and available on our YouTube page at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment when you get there. Over 4,000 subscribers. We greatly appreciate everybody being a part of that community. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free. Leave us a five-star review. Amazon Fire and Roku. Check us out on those platforms. Those are hot, right? That's why it's called Fire, right? It's hot. It's going to burn your hand. Get on those platforms. Check us out there as well. And then follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow for a Thursday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.